Coming up on the Children's Hour, we're going to explore mushrooms with mycology educator and author Peter McCoy. We'll learn about how the fruits of the fungi are the smallest parts of these incredible organisms, which can be found everywhere in nature. This episode comes with a companion learn-along guide that meets U.S. national education standards. You can find it at our website, childrenshour.org. Look for the episode, Fungus Among Us. We've got great music mixed into the show and a little bit of poetry, too. Stick with us. The Children's Hour is Kids Public Radio, produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Find out more about us and see pictures and links related to this show at childrenshour.org. It's time for the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. What happened when Alice Algae and Freddy Fungi went out on a date? I don't know what. They took a liking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the Children's Hour. It's public radio. How fast is a rocket? How big is a great white shark? How cold is a snowflake? How loud is a rock star's guitar? How high is the sky? How low does the ocean go? How far is forever? I gotta say, I really don't know. But I can get there, I can make it. Never been a time any better than right now. I'm gonna find out what in the world my world's about. What in the world? What makes a rainbow? How sharp is a T-Rex tooth? What makes the moon glow? Who invented crazy glue? How high is the sky? How low does the ocean go? How far is forever? I gotta say I really don't know But I can get there, I can make it Never been a time any better than right now Gonna find out what in the world my world's about I got a hundred thousand wonders running around my head I've been thinking so fast I can't catch my breath Google, oh Google, tell me what's up Wikipedia, who? Wiki, 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 what? Starlight, star, bright first star See tonight, wish I may, wish I might Find the answers in the sky My doctor says I got a knowledge infection And the only cure is data collection How high is the sky? How low does the ocean go? How far is forever? Um, I don't know what that means, but I like it. How high is the sky? How low does the ocean go? How far is forever? I gotta say, I really don't know. But I could get there, I could make it. Never been a time any better than right now. I'm gonna find out what in the world, what in the world, what in the world my world's about. This episode comes with a learn-along guide that meets national education standards. Find it at childrenshour.org. Look for the episode, Fungus Among Us. 
From a CD called Ready, Set, Go, that was the Happy Racers. What in the world? This is the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. I'm always so happy to be with everyone. We've got our crew on Zoom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi, it's Maya. Hi, it's Illuminata. Hi, it's Isaac. Hello, it's Octavia. Hello, it's Zen. Hello, it's Amadeus. Well, you all, are you ready to cover one of the coolest topics in the world? Mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys even like mushrooms? Yeah. That's kind of what my joke's about. Okay, let's hear your joke, Isaac. A mushroom walked into the bar and the bartender said, sorry, we don't serve food here. <laughs> That's not funny at all. Okay. I think what he's saying is when he walked into the bar, the bartender thought of the mushroom as food. And they don't serve food. Oh. It's so bad. It's funny. Yeah. Some people don't like them. Some people love them. I like them. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. they taste pretty great. I love mushrooms cooked in garlic. Ooh, that good. Yum, 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 yum. Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking with mycologist and educator Peter McCoy. He founded the world's first school of mycology called Michael Logos. He also wrote what's considered one of the definitive books about mushrooms called Radical Mycology. But before we get there, is there any news in the studio today? Well, uh, recently um, we noticed that our backyard cottonwood tree had some sort of fungi living inside of it, which was really interesting and kind of fits for today's show. And so we had to get a person to chop down some of the limbs from it. And then they then chipped the wood. And now we're seeing how fast the wood is decomposing, especially because of all the fungi living inside of it. We had a huge pile out there. It's already half its size in just a week. And you can see if you dig down a few inches, there's like all of this weird, fuzzy, kind of white, like fungi that's everywhere in the wood. And it's so interesting. It's super warm, too. It's creating a lot of heat just decomposing. And it has this weird, like, moldy mushroom smell. It doesn't smell very good. But it's cool. Ooh, that's fascinating. We're going to learn more about how the mycelium network is actually helping that tree decompose and turn back into dirt. And this episode comes with a learn-along guide. You can print it and color along, follow along with us, learn more. It's at childrenshour.org. Look for the episode called Fungus Among Us. But in the meantime, this is from Down Under. This is the formidable vegetable sound system right here on the Children's Hour. People say I'm a fun guy. But that's more than what I am. Underground to my pad to jam Well, you know, fun guy like me 
little bit of fun, gal, come to me. I'm gonna decompose you a love song. Symbiosis in the key of G. And when I party, you know I love to break it down. Share it round. Oh, I wanna wrap my ceiling arm around you. Wrap my ceiling arm around you. Wrap my ceiling arm around you. Called Grow Do It. That was the formidable vegetable sound system with mycelium all around you. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and with us today is Peter McCoy. He's a systems oriented mycology educator, and he has nearly 20 years of experience across a variety of mycological fields. And when we talk about mycology, we're talking about mushrooms. He is the author of Radical Mycology, and he's the founder of the first mycology school called Mycologos in the world. Really? It's the first in the world? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of people that teach workshops and things, but uh, what we're offering is sort of a step above and beyond with um, certification and pretty in-depth testing and portfolios that students submit at the end if they want to uh, obtain the certification. So mycology is just so fascinating and we need more people practicing it and, and sharing it and teaching it to others. So uh, it's my lifelong goal to help uh, enable other people to do that. What is fungus? Fungi are in a large group of organisms um, known as the mycetae or the fungal kingdom, or I like to call it the fungal queendom. It's similar in some sense to plants and animals in that our cells are eukaryotic is the term. They're complex compared to bacteria cells that are really simple. That's one of the ways that fungi are not bacteria. They have larger, more complex cells. And then typically the majority of fungi are um, multicellular. So they're structured and they're made primarily, again, 99% or so out of a tissue known as mycelium. And this is somewhat similar to plant roots, um, but it's different in many ways. And one of the ways that it's distinguished, fungi are distinguished from plants, is how this tissue grows, this basic tissue, and how it's structured. So plant cells have um, cellulose, it's the fiber in plants, um, dietary fiber, and it's what makes plants rigid, able to grow straight. Uh, fungi don't really have cellulose, they have a different compound called chitin. It's the same compound in in insect exoskeletons and lobster shells, so it's very tough, very durable, and that's part of what enables fungi to grow through soil and not be hurt. Um, but it's one of those, that's one of the basic differences that separate fungi from plants. For 
the majority of mycology's history, fungi were thought to be a simple form of plant. It wasn't until the late 1950s that they were actually separated from plants. So that's kind of how young our understanding of, of the uniqueness of fungi is. But when you boil it down, it's really one of the ways they separate it is based on how their cells are composed. And then you go from there into how they interact in the environment. Uh, their ecological roles are really fascinating, really unique, and really unlike anything else that plants, animals, and bacteria do. Now, while you're talking, you're holding up a bag of what looks like the base for growing mushrooms. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit, but it's kind of a bunch of stuff in plastic. And uh, more questions from the kids, please. Would you classify a mushroom as a plant or an animal? Uh, they're neither. Fungi are fungi. They're separate from plants and animals. There's a lot of ways that they're somewhat similar, and so it's easy uh, when we're first learning about them, to think about them in sort of plant terms or animal terms, because they do, in really interesting ways, act like both uh, at different times. But again, they are s considered completely unique, completely separate from from plants and animals on the, the tree of life, the evolutionary tree of life in science and biology. And again, it, that's because of, at the core of it, the way the cells are designed. But really, when you get into it, it's the ways they act and all the things they do in the environment is a, just so unlike plants and animals that... Clearly, there's something totally different. What role do mushrooms play in the entire life cycle of the planet? Well, they do a lot of different things. The thought is that they, fungi or something like fungi, evolved early in Earth. So bacteria, the, the idea is that bacteria came first, and then essentially fungi came right after them to eat the, the, the dead bacteria that had sort of piled up. So fungi have been around before plants and animals, and what they've done the thought goes since then and definitely today is at the core of it recycled nutrients so they're essential for moving the elements of life carbon nitrogen phosphorus all the minerals and, and a lot of water and that's part of their sort of chemical mastery of the world they're the great chemists of nature breaking down the most complex things that the environment and even humans produce including like pollutants and turning that into simple compounds for other things to eat including bacteria and plants and at the same time, their networks of tissue, mycelium is what it's called, when it grows through the soil, it actually moves nutrients from one part of the forest to another. And it will feed trees that, that are hungry, trees that are in the shadow beneath all the tall trees. They get their sugar and their, their carbon on um, their energy because the, the fungi in the soil feed them. This is just kind of one example of, of what they do, but that's one of the, the big pictures that I like to provide with thinking about why fungi are important is because of this movement of the, the elements of life that really wouldn't happen without their chemical mastery, as I say, and, and also this movement. Beyond that, they were thinking that they live inside of almost every plant and animal and inside of plants, especially where we have a lot of research they help protect the plant from um, heating, overheating, from drying out, basically surviving really extreme conditions. The fungi are just symbiotic and beneficial internal partners. They live inside of and really fill in the inside of plants. And we think the same thing is happening with animals. And this has been a lot less studied, but we're rapidly finding that even in humans, the fungi inside of our bodies and the fungi inside of insects um, are helping the, the insects and us digest our food or maybe even influencing our health in ways that we're just starting to understand. So that's another really big part of their role is I think of um, sort of symbiotic beneficial partners. They, they Symbiotic meaning working in partnership with the other critters or plants. Yeah, just they're, they're, they're beneficial buddies hanging out. They're sort of one in the same, um, especially with plants. You know, you really can't, I can't look at a plant and not 
sort of visualize or imagine all the fungi living inside of it, doing all the work that the plants from, from the first plants, the oldest plant fossils have these fungi living inside of them. So they've been there forever. Um, and so it's a really, when we start to think about fungi in all these ways, it actually almost paints a whole new picture of seeing the natural world. And you just kind of just get overwhelmed and amazed by all these things that they do to support life and, and enable life to keep going forward through, through all these roles. When you say that fungi are on every living creature and inside every living creature, do you mean people too? Yeah. So inside of our body, especially in, in our digestion, in our guts, in our stomach, and well, more of our uh, yeah, our guts, intestines, uh, we've, we've known for a long time that there's bacteria there and they are really important for actually breaking down the food. A lot of our digestion is, is thanks to the bacteria in our, in our gut. They do a lot of the work and create the simple nutrients that we can then absorb um, to actually get the, the nutrients from our food. And we're now funding that fungi do something similar, uh, but in their own way. And this is just scientists and, and doctors have just never looked at the fungi in the human body uh, up until just last few years. It's really kind of crazy that they didn't, but it's that's how young the science is. And sort of fungi have just been overlooked and not really thought about for a long time. And now we're finally catching up. And everything we find is, you know, kind of another big leap forward and another big discovery. And especially the ones in our body, they seem to be really important for not just digestion and, and eating food, but also staying healthy in general and um, you know, influencing many aspects of how our body works and things. We're talking with Peter McCoy. He's the founder of the first ever school for mycology and the author of Radical Mycology. We have lots more coming up, but first, this is the Okie Dokie Brothers right here on the Children's Hour. On a moonlit night in a temple of birth wind chanted mantras in nature's church cathedrals of clouds spiraled up in the air they blessed us with rain and we sang out a prayer may you lose yourself in the woods to find yourself again may you keep on singing and dance until the end May your dark turn to light and your death into birth. May your spirit be wild and may your heaven be on earth. The stars above were shamans dancing round the fire. The river sang harmony in the bugs and critters choir. Maples were facing Mecca and they were bowing their hallowed trunks. The birds went on a pilgrimage through all the winter months. Some say that our afterlife is in the sky somehow. But let's bring that then and there right down to here and now. And may you lose yourself in the woods to find yourself again. May you keep on singing and dancing till the end. May your dark turn to light and your death into birth. May your spirit be wild and may your heaven be on earth. May your spirit be wild and may your heaven be on earth. 
listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, an educational nonprofit based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're listener supported at childrenshour.org. Support for the Children's Hour provided by Electric Playhouse, an immersive entertainment and events center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Playhouse is open. You can purchase tickets, learn about events, play, and other opportunities, including future locations and music shows, at electricplayhouse.com. The Children's Hour is sponsored by the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science, announcing Dogs, a Science Tale, an ambitious multimedia hands-on science exhibition where guests can experience the extraordinary way that dogs see, hear, and smell the world. Presented by the Bank of Albuquerque, the exhibit runs through May 1st. More info at nmnaturalhistory.org. Welcome back to the Children's Hour. We're talking with Peter McCoy. He is the founder of Mycologos, which is the world's first school of mycology or about mushrooms and fungus. And he's here with us on the line from Portland, Oregon. And lots more questions from our kids crew about mushrooms. Is there a difference between mushrooms and fungi? Fungi, uh, fungi or fungi, just depending how you want to say, like tomato or tomato kind of thing. It's a giant category. The, the fungal kingdom, as they say, has anywhere from 1.5 to up to 6 million species. And the average estimate, the current estimate is around 2.3 million. And with plants, we think there's only 300,000. So there's many times more fungi in the world than, than plants. The majority of those fungi are, are molds. And so they just live as a, this network of tissue, just like the molds on your food that go bad or uh, molds you might see in the soil or growing on trees and things. The mushrooms are just a small uh, category of all fungi. So mushrooms, they also produce this network of tissue, mycelium, but then they are sort of uh, more complex and they produce the big mushroom that we see, this sort of three-dimensional structure that we can pick and we can eat. But that mushroom that would grow off of, say, this this grow bag, that's kind of like the apple on the tree. You know, really the tree is, the majority of it is the, the branches, the leaves, the the roots. That's really what the tree is. And the apple is just the, the short-lived fruit that, that we can eat as humans. Same thing here. So really it's, I like to think of all fungi as the majority are this mycelium. The mycelium does all the interesting work in the environment. The mushrooms we see and we, we like to engage with, they're just a, a small piece of that. And a very small percentage of all fungi produce mushrooms. How many kinds of fungi are there? Roughly, let's say 2.3 million species. So there's, there's a lot of species out there. And then the different types of, the different ways we talk about them or categorize them um, kind of depends on who, you, who you're talking to. I like to think of uh, it in more simple terms as just sort of the, the fungi we can see they're, they're mushrooms of. Like I say, the apple on the tree, the way that they reproduce. And then there's the microfungi, the small fungi that we can maybe see their mycelium, but we can't actually easily see the way that they reproduce. Um, fungi produce spores. It's, it's like a plant seed, but, but different in a lot of ways. And the, the molds, um, we can't really see that easily. We can't see that up close. We can see the color when the mold on your orange or your bread in your fridge goes bad and turns green. That green is actually the color of the spores. The mycelium right below that is usually white or gray. Um, and so we can't see that, but we can't really see it up close. We can't really see the, the structure uh, under a microscope. It looks like a tree. So these are two really different ways of what's easy to see and what's not so easy to see up close. And 
that's one way to think about it. Another category are the yeast. And the yeast are what make our beer and bread and wine and uh, fermented drinks, uh, maybe kombucha, if you're familiar with that, and other uh, fermented beverages that aren't necessarily alcoholic. There's these single-celled fungi. These are the smaller percentage that don't form a, a network of tissue. They just live as single little cells that uh, float through the, the liquid and, and do fermentation. Um, so that's another category of what I would call microfungi because we can't see them individually, but we can see their effect and how they turn, you know, sugar water into kombucha or something. You know, beyond that, a very different way to talk about them or sort them out is thinking about their roles in the environment. And that's when it gets, for me, really fascinating, uh, really important. And, you know, but also as, as sort of fine-tuned as you can, uh, as you want to get into. But it just as ways thinking about how they grow and what they look like. We have the mushrooms and the molds and yeast. What kind of places can you find mushrooms? Do they just exist everywhere? Fungi, you know, just all the fungi, they seem to live essentially everywhere. Uh, the mushrooms as a smaller group of fungi are only in so many places. They can't, they can't necessarily grow everywhere. So if we're thinking about fungi, molds, um, just mycelium again in general, that's actually found pretty much everywhere they've looked. At the bottom of the ocean they, they actually think that the entire ocean floor might be filled uh, and growing through with mycelium, just as we find in the in the forest. What? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the bottom of the ocean, like where all the sand is? Yeah, and that's how they think that when the sea creatures die, they fall and the fungi decompose them and recycle the nutrients, just like they do in, in the forest and in the, uh, the fields in our backyard and stuff. That That's the same role that fungi do on land. They do at the bottom of the ocean, and that's it's a pretty big idea. They also are floating throughout the ocean, so they've sampled it, and they find um, especially yeast and these single-celled fungi floating all throughout the oceans, different types. Um, and then on the land, we find you know pretty much everywhere in the in the Sahara deserts, so the driest places of the world, we can sample the sand, and there's there's fungi uh, living there, especially if there's maybe some plants nearby that they're relating with and being partners with and friends with. Um, and yeah, tops of the mountains. I mean, pretty much every environment, there's going to be fungi doing these roles of uh, cycling nutrients, you know, really without them, nothing else can live because they, they kickstart and they start the, the cycle of nutrients that is a, essential to, to life. You, you said earlier that fungi have been around longer than any other living thing on our planet. Where do you think they came from? Uh, they came after bacteria. So they thought as bacteria came first, but then fungi were more complex, bigger, more interesting cells, did more, were able to do more things. The, the, the standard uh, thought evolution theory is that the bacteria just, you know, through mutation uh, got more complex. You know, we don't really know. There's this really interesting idea that's been proposed that it's possible that in the early earth, a meteor could have crashed on, on Earth and actually seeded life here. Um, of course, you'd, you'd wonder where that life came from elsewhere, but there's actually been scientific research showing that this is not impossible. They've, they've simulated um, meteor crashes and lichens and molds and, and mushroom spores, fungal spores, are able to survive those simulated impacts. So that could have happened. They've even put lichens and molds and, and, and spores out into space. They take them up to the space station, put it out in space for several weeks, and then they bring them back inside and they're totally fine. They don't get hurt. Uh, the cold, the, the lack of air doesn't affect them. So they could survive maybe forever floating through space and then suddenly crash on Earth a long time ago and seed the planet. 
Uh, lichens, with lichens, that's almost the most interesting because a lichen is 95% uh, mushroom or fungal mycelium um, and a little bit of plant cells and bacteria. And, and it's like a little micro ecosystem. So if we can imagine billions of years ago, a lichen crashed onto the earth, all the little ingredients for life were right there to, to start. But that's not the, the accepted idea. The, the thought is it sort of just happened randomly and luckily fungi came early on. Do we use mushrooms in any medical treatments? And in traditional forms of medicine, in from Native Americans to traditional medicine from uh, Japan and China and Africa, really all over the world, many cultures have long used many mushrooms for different types of healing purposes, traditional medicine, just like you might use um, some herbs have been traditionally used for hundreds of years to, to help with, with people's health. Um, in, in modern medicine, there's some compounds, some chemicals that mushrooms and especially many molds produce that are very important in medicine. Uh, one of the most important is uh, the compound that actually enables people to receive new organs. So like a heart transplant, a lot of people that receive a new, a new heart or a new liver, their body will uh, reject it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't actually take for a long time. So they need to take this special compound that fungi produce. We're talking with Peter McCoy. He is a mycologist, the founder of the only school for mycology in the world. This is the Children's Hour. Many different 
Mushrooms by Sylvia Plath. Overnight, very whitely, discreetly, very quietly, our toes, our noses take hold on the loam, acquire the air. Nobody sees us, stops us, betrays us. The small grains make room. Soft fists insist on heaving the needles, the leafy bedding, even the paving. Our hammers are rams, earless and eyeless, perfectly voiceless, widen the crannies, shoulder through holes. We diet on water, on crumbs of shadow, bland-mannered, asking little or nothing. So many of us, so many of us. We are shelves, we are tables, we are meek, we are edible. Nudgers and shovers, in spite of ourselves, our kind multiplies. We shall by morning inherit the earth, our foots in the door. Yeasts, molds, and mushrooms are not animals, plants, or bacteria, cause they belong in a separate kingdom that is known as fungi to some. They help us make medicine, beer, wine, and bread, and decompose stuff after it's dead. Yeast can ferment sugar for you to make alcohol and CO2. They may be small with only one cell, but they make beer and champagne as well. They help us make medicine, beer, wine and bread, and decompose stuff after it's dead. Mold can be found wherever you've got Food that is old and starting to rot Some produce antibiotics that are Good at killing bacteria A mushroom is part of a fungus that's found Spread like a network of threads underground Sometimes it pops up to release spores And that is what a mushroom is for They help us make medicine, beer, wine and bread And decompose stuff after it's dead Truffles taste good and have a nice smell Recycling nutrients for us as well They help us make medicine, beer, wine and bread And decompose stuff after we're dead From a CD called Basic Biology, that's Peter Weatherall with Fungi And that releases about teaching children taxonomies of scientific words. Gentle Chase from Pottington Bear was behind the Sylvia Plath piece, and Bram Barker from Science Songs gave us that rap song about fungus and mushrooms and blue cheese. 
mold and yeast. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and with us on the show today is Peter McCoy. He is the founder of Mycologos, which is a school where you can get an accreditation in mycology, the only such place in the world, the first. And lots more questions from kids on the crew. How do you know which mushrooms are poisonous? There's no good way to know which mushroom is poisonous. And so you always want to be cautious with any mushroom. Now you can touch a poisonous mushroom, you can look at it, you can dry it out and put it on your shelf and like the way that it looks, you just don't want to eat any mushroom that is poisonous. Even one mushroom that is sort of the most poisonous, just one mushroom could be enough to to kill you. So there are really strong mushrooms out there. But there are more poisonous and deadly poisonous plants than there are deadly poisonous mushrooms. So, you know, we don't learn to be afraid of every plant. So we don't need to be afraid of every mushroom. And what's nice when you, if you start to learn how to identify edible mushrooms or just mushrooms you like to look at and want to know their names of, many of them are actually very easy to identify. Just like an apple you know, once you know what an apple is, you know that it's different than an orange. And you, whenever you see an apple, you know that that's an apple and it's pretty simple. Something similar with mushrooms. Some of them are very easy. No matter where you are in the world, if you see it, there's nothing like it. And there's no confusion, nothing to worry about. But then there's lots of mushrooms that kind of look similar. They're, they're confusing to me. Um, and they can be quite hard to, to separate and make sure you have the right one and you named it just right. And so those are the mushrooms, you know, you learn later, or a lot of people just never learn them. They just stick with the easy ones. And there's a, there's a small number. We call them the foolproof because it's kind of like anybody could just learn them in, a, in an hour or two and what to look for. And as long as you make sure that the mushroom you pick, you know, has one, two, three, four, five of these features and that's it and there's no question, then you can be certain that you're fine and, and there's really no worry Uh, When you get outside of that, if there's ever any question with your identity, then you just don't eat the mushroom. You can't just pick the mushroom in your yard and eat it. No. Because you really have no idea. So you really do need an expert to teach you about identifying mushrooms. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Many mushrooms can make you very sick. A small number can kill you. That's the sort of extreme. But a lot of them can make you sick, make your stomach hurt, make you sick for several days. So... You just never want to eat a mushroom that you haven't positively identified. And to really get to that level where you're certain you're going to want an an expert, somebody who's done it for many years to teach you. um, And then you're going to want to show them the mushroom, you know, many times. And really, there's there's a lot to make sure that you're really safe. But it is possible to learn it. Many people um, love mushroom hunting. I love mushroom hunting. It's another thing to do when I'm out in the woods and just walking on a hike. I'm also always mushroom hunting because, you know, you're just always looking at the mushrooms around you. And sometimes you get lucky and you find one. Um, It takes time to learn it, but it is it is possible. And and young people can do it. Older people can do it. Um, So it's not something to be too afraid of or think is, is that difficult. That's Peter McCoy. He is the founder of Michael Logos, the world's first school of mycology. You can learn more about him and find our learn-along guide at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Fungus Among Us. There's a lot more to learn about mushrooms coming up, including their nutritional value. It's all coming up. Stick with us. This is the Children's Hour. We'll be right back. Children's Hour radio show is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. 
The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by the County of Bernalillo, New Mexico, burnco.gov. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by Token IBIS, a nonprofit making philanthropy accessible to everyone. To sign up, go to tokenibis.org. Portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello, yeah. Portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello, yeah. I love broccoli and I love carrots too. I love it when my mama makes a lentil stew. And I like some candy, but not too overdue. I really love my portobello mushrooms. How about you? Singing portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello mushrooms, portobello, yeah. I love my Brussels sprouts. I love my cauliflower. I love it how my spinach gives me lots of power. And I'll drink a glass of milk unless it has gone sour. But I'll eat a portobello mushroom any hour I love celery Beet juice tastes so grand I love eating tomatoes I grew with my own hands And eggplants are so beautiful But taste like squished up ants So give me a portobello Let me do my dance Singing portobello mushrooms Portobello mushrooms Portobello mushrooms Portobello, yeah Portobello mushrooms Portobello mushrooms Portobello mushrooms mushrooms. I like cremini I got no problem with shiitake That was K.B. Worley, Portobello Mushrooms is the name of the song, from a CD called Greetings from Cloud Nine. During the break, you heard Modesky, Martin, and Wood from their Let's Go Everywhere CD. We're all connected, and indeed we are, and in fact, we're all connected through mycelium, according to Peter McCoy. He's our guest today on the Children's Hour. He's a mycologist, and we're talking about mushrooms. We have a few more questions from our kids' crew. Illuminata's got the next one. How do mushrooms eat? That's a great question. So it comes back to the mycelium. The mushroom is really kind of the end of the life cycle in a way. It's kind of like the apple on the tree, just there to more spread the spores, or we can collect it and look at it and take photos of it. How it got all the food before that is sort of how the apple tree gets its food. The roots take in water and nutrients from the soil and grows tall and large and kind of gets enough energy stored up to finally produce the apples. And with mushrooms, it's similar. 
the mycelium grows through the soil or grows through wood or, or whatever it likes to eat. And it's at the ends of all these little threads of mycelium that actually at the tips, there's special um, structures that read the environment. They, they receive signals and respond to those signals. And how it does it is it'll release digestive um, compounds, kind of like the stomach acid in your stomach, but different. And those go out, break down stuff around the mushroom, and then it soaks in the, the, the simple food. So it's kind of like, you know, taking a cookie, really complex thing around you, and then it releases all these compounds to break it down into the flour and the sugar and the water, the simple ingredients. And that's easier for it to take in and to use as, as food. So different than how we eat, it's actually one of the other big differences between plants, animals, and fungi, and almost one of the easier ways to think about them. Plants typically take sun energy, use that as a big part of their food. We eat food and then we digest it inside of our stomachs. Fungi digest outside of themselves, and then they take in the, the simpler food. How do fungi reproduce? There's many different ways. It's one of the other interesting things about them. They're really complex when it gets to how they um, sort of adapt. You know, one of the things is why we look different than our siblings or from our parents is every new human sort of has a unique DNA, unique genetics, and it gets kind of changed around through the creation of the new baby. With fungi, there's many ways that they combine their genetics, and that makes them able, better able to survive in the environment. They have all these different ways to adapt and change to the world, and, and it makes them even stronger, and it's, it's really interesting in a way. But for mushrooms and for molds, there's kind of two simple ways we can think about it. With molds, what's really interesting is that some of the little, say, the green spores you'll see on your moldy bread, those might not even be different than uh, the DNA might be similar to the to the mycelium that's growing there, meaning that essentially the mycelium grows, it gets enough food, and then it wants to reproduce. So all it does is it sort of snips off uh, the last little cell in the network that turns green and, and more hard and able to travel, and then that flies off. So there's no change in the genetics. It's really interesting. Um, some molds we think have never changed their genetics forever, and we don't even understand how that's possible. With mushrooms, it's a bit different. So with mushrooms, typically millions of spores come off every day. They have um, a lot of different types of, of genetics, but in a similar way to plants and animals, there there's a, usually a pairing and two of them need to come together to get a new set of, of DNA. The way that they find each other um, is based on chemical signals. So there's not really like a physical structure or anything like that. It's more that they communicate through through chemicals again whether or not they can grow together and be sort of mates they actually use uh, what are called pheromones that are similar to how humans and other animals find mates and, and sort of find each other uh, also sort of a huge interesting and weird um, concept do mushrooms die in the winter what do they do during the winter well the mushroom that we pick and eat most of them, um, the softer ones, the ones that we would probably want to eat, they only live for a few days, maybe a couple weeks. And if nobody picks them, no animal eats them, they just fall over and decompose back into the soil and, and the bacteria eat them. The mycelium that they grew out of, though, whether that's in the soil or in the wood, that lives on. That lives for years and years and years. And every year it'll produce a new crop of, of mushrooms. So in the winter, 
uh, how it survives is kind of similar to plants and, and everything else in the winter. It kind of goes into hibernation, slows down, um, and just waits it out until, you know, things are warmer. Maybe there's more water or whatever it might need to, to grow another uh, season. Can mushrooms grow in different colors and sizes? Yeah, that's one of the, I think, most interesting things about learning to identify mushrooms or just developing uh, appreciation and sort of starting to see them when you when you walk in the woods or even in your own backyard is that they come in all types of shapes and sizes and colors. There's some mushrooms that are you know half as tall as me. Some of them can live for 30, 40, 50 years. The biggest organism, living organism in the world is a mushroom. It actually lives in Oregon where I live and it's hundreds of football fields large and anywhere, we're not really sure, from two to 9,000 years old. And it just keeps on growing. It's living in this forest below the soil. Every so often it'll come up, it'll eat some dead wood. And it's the, the biggest thing in the world. How do you know that? As far as I understand, they've gone uh, to the, this forest. It's called the Malheur Forest here in Oregon. And they've sampled the, the mycelium. And they do the, they test the DNA, they figure out the, the DNA sequence of it. And then they compare samples from all over the forest. And, you know, they take samples from these across huge distances and they all have the exact same DNA. And that means that it must be the same organism. And then they can approximate based on the size, um, how, how old it is because of how quickly, how, how quickly the mushroom grows and how long it takes to grow one inch. And based on the size they've mapped, they can sort of turn the clock back and figure out it must have taken anywhere from two to nine thousand years which is a pretty big difference but i mean it's it's a long amount of time um and again this is the, the biggest organism in the world and it's still alive and you can you can go to that place um you don't really necessarily see the mushroom it's hiding below the, the ground but it will pop up and it'll fruit you know in the fall and you can see it and um, you can see the mushroom you can identify it and when i when i've been there i say hmm, i wonder if this is one of the one of the mushrooms connected to this giant mycelial network that's, you know, so ancient. Are mushrooms really high in protein or anything else that's good for us as humans? Definitely. Some mushrooms are essentially sort of a superfood. They're on par with meat by dry weight with their, their protein. So um, shiitake mushrooms, they're really high in protein and also very high in vitamin D. Mushrooms actually have quite a lot of vitamin D. You can even take a dried mushroom or a fresh mushroom from the store and put it in the sun for a few hours and that will actually create more vitamin D. They actually react to the sun like we do uh, through what's known as melanin. Um, it's a chemical or compound in our skin and fungi have something similar. But different wild mushrooms just kind of naturally, they'll have, depending on the mushroom, say vitamin C. So some mushrooms taste like citrus. They'll taste kind of like sour, like a lemon because they have all this vitamin C in it. Um, some of them have vitamins K and um, some various B vitamins, vitamin A, um, that, which is good for your eyes, like carrots. Um, a lot of them have minerals. So as they grow through the soil or the wood, they take up good minerals that are really healthy for us and for plants, and they, they concentrate it. So they're, they're jam-packed full of really good stuff, um, fresh or dried. How would you become a mycologist? Right now in, in North America, in the U.S., there's only a few places where you can actually go and get a, a college degree in mycology. That's part of why I started MycoLogos was to help kickstart that process to get people really well trained um, so that they have a, you know, a better chance of, of turning this, this lifelong passion or, or a newfound passion into something they can uh, do as a living for the rest of their life. Peter McCoy is the founder of MycoLogos, the first mycology school.
in it is in Portland, Oregon. We've got links and pictures and so much more posted at childrenshour.org, including a learn-along guide for this episode that meets national education standards. Look for this episode called Fungus Among Us. Peter McCoy, thank you so much for being with us on the Children's Hour today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Um, been so thankful to be here and, and hopefully um, get folks listening excited about, about mushrooms. There are so many funguses that people wish were dead, but none seem to complain about the ones making their bread. You think fungi are slimy, gross, and cause disease, but what a shock when you find out they make your favorite cheese. Oh, funguses, 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 hey! Funguses are used in many, many ways. So lift your glass and together we'll say, Hide in the eye, don't in the old funguses, hey! Mushrooms are okay on your soups and on your roasts Though they share a kingdom with what grows between your toes I might have turned you off food and gave you a sick feeling But it's okay to get sick fungus gave us penicillin Funguses, 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 hey! Funguses are used in many, many ways Lift your glass and together we'll say Hi I don't in your funguses, hey That was Richard Bull, a single released long ago, and in the background, Ketza. We're exploring the fungus among us on the Children's Hour today, and one thing we haven't discussed yet is mycoremediation. That's a big word, and it means using the tiny living creatures we've been learning about, mycelia, to clean up pollution. Scientists have been using fungi to clean up pesticides, oil spills, and even contaminated oil wells that were abandoned in the Amazon rainforest. Oyster mushrooms are being used in fire-damaged areas in California because they are excellent at absorbing the toxic heavy metals found in the fire ash and sequestering it in their bodies. In that process, the heavy metals are transformed, essentially cleaning them out of the polluted soil. There are also studies underway on using fungus to dissolve plastics, including in the salty ocean. Learn more about mycoremediation at childrenshour.org under this episode, Fungus Among Us. And you can also find out more in our Learn Along Guide that cites and meets national education standards. We're going to go out with Bob LeBoubé right here on the Children's Hour. Out there in the woods, there's a bluntly cone-shaped sponge-like mushroom called the common morel. Song. When I see them there, I hiding themselves beneath the leaves and the bushes on the top of the hill. Well, it thrills me still. They're so delicious. 
cooked up in an omelet or a hundred other dishes Sautéed in a little bit of butter There's no other fungus that can compare Yes, I love them well, I could probably eat about a million of them They're good on a pizza, on a steak, or in a stew Out there in the woods There's a bluntly cone-shaped sponge Like mushroom called the common morel And I'm only getting the sun Hour is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit corporation. Our show is written by Katie Stone with help from all of us and the kids' crew. Find lots of information about us at children'shour.org. Many thanks to Peter McCoy from Michael Logos for being with us on the show today. Our learning guide was written by Jonathan Dunsky. Our podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Or at patreon.com slash the children's hour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the children's hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music is written by CK Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by the Children's Hour Incorporated, PRX, and the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. Thank you.